Book Two, Chapter Seventeen of Clara Bon, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Clara Vaughan, Volume Two by R. D. Blackmore. Book Two, Chapter Seventeen. Late in the evening of that same day, I sat in my room by the firelight only, for I could not work, and tried to look into myself and find out the cause of my strange attraction, or rather impulsion, toward Isola. Somehow or other I did not wonder so much that she should be drawn quite as strongly towards me, although an impartial observer would perhaps have wondered far more. After puzzling myself in vain with this inquiry, my thoughts began to move in their usual gloomy train. Eight years had now elapsed, and what had I discovered? Nothing, but at long dark intervals some impress of the deed itself, more than of the doer, had I halted in pursuit, or had my vengeance cooled? To the former question my conscience answered yes, to the latter, no. Gentle influences had been shed around me, sorrow had bedewed the track of hate, intercourse with happy, harmless people, and gratitude for unmerited kindness. It was not in human nature, however finely constituted for evil, entirely to repulse these powers. I could not deny that the religion of my heart during the last twelve months had been somewhat neglected for my devotion to dear mother no plea was required but the time since that what business had i with laughing children and snug firesides with dicky birds and sandy the squirrel even sweet isola caused me a pang of remorse but no i could not quite abandon her but now thank god i was in the right road again and plodding resolutely as my father could expect to his spirit ever present with me, I knelt down and poured out my remorse, and swore to make amends, whatever it might cost me. Yet, even then, a gentle shadow seemed to come as well, and whisper the words that calmed the face of death. My musings, if so mild a word may suit them, were roughly interrupted by a loud step on the stairs. Inspector Cutting, who could walk when needful like a cat, loved to redress this injury to the goddess Echo by making double noise when not on business farmer huxtable a man of twice the weight would have come up those stairs at half the expense in sound when he entered the room he found himself in a semi-official state again and i saw that he was not come for nothing in a few brief words he told me what he had done which was not very much or perhaps my suspicion was right that he only told me part of it then he said abruptly miss valence i know pluck when i see it what do you mean mr cutting excuse me i forget that you have been reared in the country what i mean is that i believe you possess an unusual share of courage as to that i cannot say having never been severely tried but in such a cause as mine i could go through a good deal and not lose your presence of mind even in real danger that again i cannot say and for the same reason but i am quite ready to make the trial i felt the colour mounting in my cheeks how glad i should be to prove myself that i was not ignoble he observed me closely, and appeared quite satisfied. "'What I have to propose to you is attended with no little danger. I will do my utmost not to be afraid. I am more impulsive, perhaps, than brave, but what is life worth to me? I will try to think of that all the time. No doubt you have a good reason for exposing me to danger. Certainly I have, Miss Valence. For your own purpose it is most important that you should be able to identify certain persons whom I shall show you to-night, that is, unless I am misinformed.' "'To-night? So late as this?' And I began to tremble already. "'Yes, we must go to-night or wait another fortnight, and then it would be no earlier, even if we got such a chance again. And for your sake it is better than to be in a fright for a fortnight.' 
Inspector Cutting, I am in no fright whatever. At least I mean no more so than any other girl would be, who felt a vague danger impending. I hope and trust that my father's memory and the justice of God will be with me. Young lady, I see that I may safely venture it. If you had boasted, I should have hesitated, though I have had some proof already of your determination. The chief, and indeed the only danger, is lest you lose your presence of mind, and that most females would do, if placed as you will be. Now I wish you to make deliberate choice, and not to be carried away by impulse, vindictiveness, or the love of the adventure, which, when the spirit is high like yours, too often leads young females into trouble, from which it is not always possible, even for the most capable members of the force, to extricate them. Of course I know all that. How much longer are we to talk? Must I disguise myself? When am I to be ready? And where are we going? Now you are growing impatient. That is not a good sign. Remember, I can easily procure another witness, but for your own sake I wish to give you the chance. Probably you will see to-night the man who killed your father. As he spoke, my flesh was creeping and my blood ran cold. Then, suddenly flushed through my system like electric fluid, he began again as coolly as if he were reporting a case of someone discovered drunk and incapable. From force of habit, he touched his forehead and stood at attention as he spoke. In consequence of information which I have received, I have been induced to make certain inquiries, which have resulted in the conviction that the criminal I am in search of will be present at a certain place this night, at a certain hour. It is therefore my intention to embrace the opportunity of catching him, cried I in a breathless hurry. To embrace the opportunity, continued the inspector, like a talking oak, of conducting my investigations personally and in the presence of a witness, the effect thereby produced upon my mind shall be entered duly, the moral effect, I should have said, and the cause of justice will be promoted as rapidly as is consistent with the principles of our glorious Constitution. Do you mean to say that you will let him go? No, I shall not let him go, Miss Valance, for the simple reason that I shall not apprehend him. I see that you are inclined to take the law into your own hands. That will never do for me. Oh, no, I am not. A year ago I would have done so, but I am older and wiser now. I was thinking of dear mother, and began to feel already that my character was changing. End of Book 2, Chapter 17